Well, now, if you've got your Bibles with you, would you please turn to uh, the back of your Bible uh, to 2 John. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Tim preach on this this evening. We're going to read the whole of the book because there's only 13 verses. And uh, so 2 John, um, verse 1. The Elder. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us, will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has, been, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that you, our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Natasha and Rachel and Joel for leading us in our singing this evening. And thank you to Keith for um, leading us and guiding us. And obviously, um, sounds like the Oscars, doesn't it? And Sam, thank you for Doug and Benji uh, at the back. Um, I want to start with prayer. So um, let's just pray. Father God, thank you that you are a speaking God. And Father, we thank you that you speak most clearly by your word. As you speak to us, Lord, we pray that we would listen, and that as we listen, that we would be obedient as we've just sung through that song. Uh, help us now, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to start this evening by introducing you to my friend Malcolm. Now, there's a picture there of Malcolm. Um, Malcolm, he's six foot six. Um, some people said he, he slept in a grow bag. Um, but um, he's six foot six, and I met Malcolm at Bible College. Um, we shared over those three years everything the good, the bad, and the ugly. Things that I've only shared with a few folk, and Malcolm being one of them. And likewise, he shared much of his life. Um, Malcolm's a lovely guy. And uh, he had great tastes in friends. 
Um, and um, Malcolm actually became, was, became, was my best man when uh, Mrs. Neil and myself got married in 2003. But we knew each other really well. And uh, we spent those three years very close. We got to know each other very well. Now, why do I tell you about Malcolm? Well, imagine now I was to walk into one of your houses and you may have seen the picture of Malcolm. You may have read one or two things about Malcolm. But as he spoke about Malcolm, it was nothing like the Malcolm that I knew. You'd say things that maybe weren't true. You'd say things about maybe his character, which was totally out of order, that actually some of you may think, what a horrible man Malcolm is. And then I was to, like I say, be in that room. And I could correct you and say, what you're saying about Malcolm is totally off. You don't know Malcolm. You're basing it on a few half-truths and just your idea of who Malcolm was. Well, can I say, as we open up to John, John is speaking as someone that spent three years intimately close at hand with the Lord Jesus. He was the only apostle that was now alive. And he writes to a church that had half-truths, half-ideas, and he wanted to put right any wrongs that they had about Jesus. Wrongs such as um, things about him that would cause distrust, disharmony, and would discredit the name of Jesus. Um, and we'll, we, we'll look at some of this together. That's why John speaks with authority, but also you may say he speaks quite harshly. Uh, and he speaks about those preachers of the day. He says words such as deceivers, Gnostics, and that strong word, the Antichrist. Now this is strong writing that we have here. My first point this evening is to ask the question, what is true love? True love. Well, well we get a picture of this true love in the opening three verses. And like the other epistles, like the other letters and writing, we get much that is very helpful to us as we understand the folk that the writer, in this case John, is writing to. You know, for us, when we write letters or emails, often it's very bland, isn't it? You know, hope you're well, how you doing? Um, hope this email or this letter finds you well. But that wasn't the case with John as he wrote this letter. Look down with me. We'll, we'll see where this letter goes. So he writes, um, verse 1, the elder. And who's he writing to? To the lady chosen by God, but also to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Let's just get some definitions at the start. 
So when you read that, you think, who on earth is this lady? Who is this mystery lady? Well, if we know how he writes and in other places in New Testament, the lady is actually the church rather than an individual person. Just like, for instance, in other places, the church is described as the bride of Christ. As here, the lady is the church, a local church, a local young church. And the children that he writes about here are the members of the church. But look how he greets them in verse 3. He says, grace, mercy, and peace. And who's that from? Well, it's from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, and the promise he will be with us in truth and love. And this message, this description, as he begins this letter, is the gospel, isn't it? As we get those three components there, as we see, um, see this through grace, mercy, and love. Grace, his undeserved kindness, is expressed in his mercy. And we know this, don't we? And as he writes to these people in this letter, people whose sins have been forgiven. The sins were punished, not through themselves, but through Jesus. And the blessings of the truth and the love. And we see this primarily and ultimately for us listening and reading on here this evening in 2023, through the Lord Jesus, in God sending his Son. And the gospel can be described as both truth and love. It's truth, it's the truth about God, that he is holy, that we are sinners, and that sin has separated us from him. And it's truth as well that God sent his son, as, as our brother Keith shared with us earlier in that John 3.16, that Jesus has rescued us from God who sent his son, and that sin has been conquered. And as we've seen at Easter, that death has been defeated, and Satan too, and now Jesus reigns. So the gospel is truth. It's built on historical fact of the physical death and resurrection of Jesus. And so for us and for those listening, the challenge straight away is do we believe this truth? Have we responded to this great truth that um, John is writing about here? Have we accepted this truth? Do we believe in the resurrected Jesus and Jesus now for our salvation. And the blessing in this letter is the truth of the gospel. This is fundamental. It's the heart of our faith, and it's the heart of this letter. The Christian love and Christian truth. And how is this truth worked out? Well, there's four things that we can just see in these three verses. Truth can be known in the Christian faith, that it's more than just an occasion and a feeling and a culture that you were brought up in, but it's knowing and believing the truth. Verse 2, it's a truth that lives in us. 
And it's a truth that will be with us forever. A truth that changes us past, present, and future. This truth opens up a relationship that changes us completely. We live in the now and the not yet. We're being transformed. We saw, didn't we, this morning that idea and the process of being sanctified, of being made more like Jesus. And this is the work of God's Spirit in us. And it reminds us of our human relationship, the truth that we are, that the, the love that we have that comes from the Father reminds us of the love that we know as humans as a child knows the love of their parents. When you know you are loved, it changes everything, doesn't it? The love that we know in our life, that changes the way that we live. It gives us confidence, that sense of worth and belonging. And this should be the same in knowing the truth that God loves you. That God loves you. And then fourthly, in this, force, in this little section, those who trust in the truth love one another. John, after all, as he begins this epistle, describes it by saying that I love the chosen lady. I love the church. See, Christians love because we believe that we have been transformed by this truth. What is true love? Well, it comes from God's love to us through God sending Jesus. And in the Christian life, truth, this is, this is a quote, this isn't me, so don't think poor Tim's full of lots of wisdom tonight. Listen to this quote here. In the Christian life, Truth is the road we must travel on, and love is the way we walk. Did you get that? In the Christian life, truth is the road we must travel on, and love is the way we walk. So what this means in practice is three words at the end of verse 6. Can you see? Walk in love. And that's the second point. Walk in love, verses 4 to 6, and also verse 12. John shows us we cannot love God if we're not loving one another. And 1 John, previous to 2 John, funnily enough, is is full of this idea that we cannot love God if we're not loving one another. So listen just to to some of these little uh, highlights from his first letter. Chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Chapter 4, verse 19. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. Whoever claims to to, to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Very clear, isn't it? It's very plain speaking here about our response to the love of God with one another. 
See, all Christians are to love their brothers and sisters in Christ. But look again, well, again at verse 5. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. I ask that we love one another. Um, this, this is just the words of Jesus, isn't it? Fifty years earlier, John would have reflected on the words of Jesus as he sat amongst Jesus, as he walked with Jesus, as, as he did life with Jesus. He knew that this was the heartbeat of Jesus, to love one another. Jesus said, a new command, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. So loving other believers is an inevitable consequence, but also it's a commandment. So it's a consequence and it's a commandment. See, it's easy to love other believers if they're like me. We can love people, can't we, if they're just like us. Um, they might have the same tastes as us. Um, they may have the out same outlook on life as us. Maybe have the same educational background as us or the same culture of us. That's so easy, isn't it, to love people like that. All about those who are different. Maybe those who are critical, who are unfair, those who wind us up, those who do not listen. This is all in the church context, by the way. Those who are annoying, those who don't listen. Did I say that already? Yeah, I think I did. This is why this is a commandment. Because it's not always easy, is it? It's easy to love people like us. When people aren't like what we perceive to be the right way, that's when it goes another level. So how do we walk in love? Sometimes we, we, we think that walking in love can be that cheesy smile. But it, it's got to go beyond that, hasn't it? It's got to go from maybe just saying a niceties with someone. John's standard, as he writes this, is very different. John, you see, recalls the master of truth and love. The master was his master. As he recalls again, listen, we've had a John 3.16 this evening, but this is a 1 John 3.16. Listen to these words in the earlier book that he wrote. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So this is the benchmark. Obedience and love are part of the same thing. Verse 6 of 
to John. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. It's a circular argument, but love is obeying God's commands and his command is that we love. When we separate obedience from love, God's command can become a burden, a weighty duty. It isn't surprising that we struggle and fail. But if we are in a right relationship with God and rejoicing in the gospel and if this great love, obedience is how we love and show our love to him. The obedience and disciplines of the Christian's, Christian's life are not so burdensome. So God's true love for us in Jesus urges us and equips us to love one another. This is what it is to walk in love. We know, don't we, that we're called to love our enemies. Listen to Chesterton. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also love our enemies because generally they are the same people. I'm not sure if that's right. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also love our enemies because generally they're the same people. So John's focus is Christians to love one another. Christians here at Hook local, but also Christians who are far away. How, how can we love Christians, maybe, that we have never met? Pray for them. Give to them. Show, show that, that this is true. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a great thing that we did a few weeks ago in Prayer Central, as we shared um, how we pray. Tools to help us to pray. Prayer app is a great app where it will feed information of Christians around the world, often many of them who are suffering, there on your phone, there as you wake up. There's no excuse for any of us to know what's going on. Now verse 12, which I've put in this point as well, he says this, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, when you read that, first of all, it, it can sound a little bit like a, a bit of a put-down. Paper and ink, um, but it's not a put-down by any means. But actually, it's about building one another up. So you see, John wants to be amongst them. John wants to see them. John wants to get up close and personal. And for us here, there's an obvious application, isn't there? For us, it might not be paper and ink. For us, it may be YouTube and Zoom. There's nothing quite like, is there, being with God's people. YouTube has its place. And for those of you watching this evening on YouTube, thank you for watching this rather than Downton Abbey or whatever else is on. But if we can get to church and be with God's people... Why wouldn't you? You know, it's, it's hard maybe to click a button on the computer. 
But it does take more effort to come out of your house and come through the doors in Brook Road. But it's what we're made for. We are social. John knew this. You know, if that wasn't the case, why didn't Jesus just send an email? No. He tabernacled amongst people. He made himself known. He was with people throughout his life. Likewise for us, we are social beings. We are meant to be with one another. It's active. It's very practical, isn't it, this? Really helpful for us to consider as John speaks to this young church, as he longs to be amongst them. He's not at the moment, hence, writing with pen and paper. But this is his desire. One of this, this is our desire to be with God's people. Then lastly, briefer, Christian love must be tough. See, John is writing in the context, as I started off, John is writing in the context of a young, fragile church that had um, preachers going around, traveling preachers, who twisted versions of the truth. This is why, again, he's very practical. Verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Well, we can see there were men, preachers, who were deceiving. And therefore, we here need to make sure that we are preaching the Bible and not just preaching theories and ideas. That's why... It's, it's, it's part of the DNA of this church to preach books of the Bible because the Bible is our authority. The Bible guides us and, and sometimes there's difficult passages that we have to address that, you know, sometimes you'd rather bypass some of those passages. But as we preach through whole, whole books of the Bible, God speaks most clearly and most faithfully to us. So that's, again, why we encourage open Bibles and phones um, on our devices so that we can check what the preacher is saying. In John's day, there was a teaching known, a philosophy known as Gnosticism, which said that the spiritual was good and that the physical was bad or evil. So the idea of God coming to earth in a human form, through Jesus, as Jesus, was a no-no. How do you teach the gospel without Jesus coming in human form? If Jesus didn't die for us, we will all face God's judgment. And that's true, isn't it? We need to know the bad news before the good news. John says that these false teachers are denying the gospel. Strong words, the Antichrist, speaks of them against Jesus and all he is. Speaks about them as wicked. Speaks about them pulling people away from the true gospel that saves. Well, how do we respond to this? Well, it's an obvious outworking for us, isn't there? That we, we do not just let any Tom, Dick, or Harry, forgive me if your name's Tom, Dick, or Harry, but we do not let anyone just preach. This is God's word. This is why 
for instance, in youth work, that folk who um, teach in youth work, they are um, not only DBS, but also that they are members, that they have been interviewed to ask, what is their standing? Do they believe the gospel? It's not just to tick boxes, but it's to guard the gospel. It's to ensure that we have no false teachers that have a platform. So, we do this with gentleness and respect, though. 1 Peter 3, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, we have a great gospel momentous news, life-changing news that has changed us all here this evening and continues to change us. But we have to be careful. We need to guard and make sure that this gospel is clearly presented in all the various forums and places that the church proclaims Jesus. So, this evening, I, I trust that too, John, has enlightened you as we've considered what it is, is truth and love. As we've considered and questioned and, and thought through what it is to walk in love. But also, just that sense of that time when we need to be tough. Christian love does need to be tough as we guard the pulpit, as we guard the gospel from those that would proclaim a very different gospel the lady chosen by God and her children whom I love in the truth let's uh, pray together Father God we thank you for this message um, it's, it's in some ways a hard message but Father give us the, the eyes to, to live out these words this week as we seek to walk in love and we thank you that you command us to walk in love, but also to protect and know and live by this love, the gospel. Thank you, Father. Help us now as we go out to love and serve the Lord on our front line. For Jesus and his name we pray. Amen.